if you plant grass, you grow grass. If you plant rice, you grow rice. I plant fear, and fear will grow. Welcome, guys, to another installment of Jake the Snake Roberts Unleashed. Guys, I'm going to step back for a minute and, uh, I don't know, just talk about what's happened in my life the last five years. It's, it's certainly had a lot of ups and downs, uh, more ups than downs. Um, there's been stumbles, there's been falls, but I didn't get counted out. That's the best part. You know, five years ago, I was a total mess. You know, well, closer to six now. Living in Texas and hating life and hating myself and hating everything that I stood for. Disgusted with what I'd become. A drug addict, a drunk. Wow. That'll make Mama proud, won't it? No, that's the only person that probably didn't give up on me was my mother. She always told me that when you get tired of it, you'll change. She was right. But damn, Mama, why did it take so long? Six years, well, five, six years ago, that's when Dallas got on the phone and called me and checked on me. And being the drunk that I was, I did what I, drunks do. I lied and said I was okay. No, I'm all right, man. You know, that's what we do, man. It's what addicts do. We don't want to face reality. Hell, man, reality is too brutal, especially when you're living in that shit. You know, I, I, I sometimes I try to look back and see where it all went wrong. And bottom line, it started going wrong, hell, before I was a teenager. Yeah, I'd already had a few drinks. Yeah, my grandfather used to drink a lot. He had some real issues. He'd been in an oil-filled accident when he was in his mid-20s, and a rack of oil-filled pipe had rolled and crushed his legs. In the 1920s and 30s, they didn't have the uh, technologies they have today, and the the way about healing was uh, completely different, man. Man, it was pretty sick, actually, because uh, back then what they would do is they'd let it heal and re-break it to get it lined up. He stayed over a year in the hospital, getting his legs broke, 
straightened out a little bit, let him heal again, break him again. Of course, while he was in the hospital, they kept him doped up, man, make, make him comfortable, you know, make him comfortable. Called morphine. Yeah, for over a year. Then one fine day, they decided they couldn't straighten his legs anymore. His one leg had been broken six different places. It was pretty much mashed. You know, in the beginning, they wanted to cut it off, but his only answer was, you know, I came into the world with two legs, I'll leave with two legs. If it's time for me to go, it's time for me to go. Well, they'd done what they could for him in the hospital, and they pitched him out. One small problem. Addiction to morphine. Wow. You know, getting morphine these days, hell, it's on every other corner on the street now, man. You just gotta be careful. It's not something that's gonna kill you. Like what's going through the different parts of our country now, and uh, it's really bad in Vancouver, Canada. So bad up there that they've had to uh, put triage units on the streets. Man, it looks like a place you pull your car in to uh, have the smog checked. Just a little tense, man. And uh, police up there have been forced to start carrying a syringe. They can jab it into somebody's heart to get them going again. That's how bad it's gotten up there. They're having, you know, 15, 20 ODs a day. A day on the streets, man. Dying. Right and left. Now, that same drug has made it into the States. And I just heard where um, Macon, Georgia, has gotten a handful of that crap and uh, killed quite a few people there. But my grandfather didn't have that available, or I'm sure he'd have been right in the middle of it. But he had to have something to get that pain off of him, so he turned to whiskey. And he drank it. He drank it every day. Every day. Hell, by the time he was 45, 50, the doctors told him that you know, you're going to die from alcohol. It's going to kill you. And they were right. It did kill him. 43 years later. Yeah, he died when he was 92. Man. Can you imagine that shit? Of course, he didn't know who the hell he was or hadn't known who he was for years. I remember going and visiting him when I was in my 20s. And hell, he thought, he thought I was my dad. Well, thanks, but no thanks, Pops. <laughs> but um, him drinking his whiskey every day, my grandmother, everybody tried to stop him. Doctors tried to stop him. Back then, they had antabuse. They put him on antabuse, but they didn't trust him to take the antabuse by tablet every day. So that's what you had to do. You had to get it in your system. That way, that antabuse would make you sick as a damn dog, man. You'll puke, you'll shit, you'll break out in the sweats. Oh, my God, it's the most brutal sick you've ever been if you just have a sip of alcohol. Or as little as wash your face with aqua velva or drink some cough syrup. Any of that had alcohol in it. It'll make you so damn sick you'd wish the hell you could die. But his addiction was stronger than that, see? And the doctors didn't trust him to take those tablets, so... He had to take a taxi to the uh, 
doctor's office every morning because they didn't trust him to drive anymore. Hell, he done lost his driver's license. But uh, he'd take that taxi to Dr. Mack's office here in Gainesville, Texas, and uh, go in and have his shot and walk right back out and get in the same taxi and drive six miles. It wasn't that far home, but it was that far to the liquor store. Yeah, just had a shot of an abuse, and he goes straight to the liquor store and buys a pint and drinks it before he gets home because Granny ain't going to let him bring it around the house. He got tired of fighting with her, and she's tired of fighting with him. Of course, him doing that, he'd start throwing up and make a mess of himself. I know there were times when I came home from school, he'd be passed out in the chair. He'd already defecated himself, pissed on himself, threw up on himself. And she was so fed up with it, sometimes she just let him sit in it. I didn't bring many kids to my house. Can't imagine why. But I should have known then that alcohol is not good for you. Look what you can become. Yet, didn't that stop me? Nope. Sure as hell didn't. Sure as hell didn't. It's kind of sad and sick in a way when my grandfather's name was Maurice. Well, I have a half-brother named Maurice, Michael Maurice. You might know him as Sam Houston. And he had that same devil on him, hard liquor. Boy, did it make a mess of him. I think Glass County had an eight or nine DUIs. Spent 10 years in prison. Went in once and they let him out and told him if you ever come back in here, you'll do 10 years. Put an ankle bracelet on him, put a machine on his truck that if he tried to start, he had to blow into it so not to let him drive when he was drinking. By midnight, he had already cut the anklet off and bypassed the the blower that they had installed, of course. That little machine kept records, didn't it? Bottom line is, next morning, he was right back in jail. They picked him up for another DUI, and the judge told him he'd rot in jail. And Roddy did for a long time. He was in uh, Louisiana when Katrina hit. He spent a lot of time on that bridge in between uh, Baton Rouge and New Orleans. That's where they put the jail, people in jail. They just put them out there on that bridge and let them bake in that crap, man. <laughs> Talk about being in jail, man. There's swamp on either side of the highway, and it's about a 40-foot drop to get to the swamp. Of course, you got gators and moccasins to play with, so he wouldn't be bored. But that didn't stop him from drinking. Didn't stop me either. As a kid, my grandfather would hide the liquor in the chicken house or in the barn, underneath this rock, behind that bale. Me and my friends across the street, we'd go out and look for it, find it. Nine, ten years old, if 
found that liquor. Now, if we couldn't sell it to my neighbor's older brother, we'd try it. Boy, that stuff burned. Didn't stop us, though. Sure as hell didn't. You know, by the age of 13, 14, I was drinking beer regularly. Didn't think I had a problem. I was just trying to have a good time. Folks, it should tell you something when you can't have a good time until you drink. What the hell's wrong with you? What's going on? Of course, you don't think of that when you're doing it, do you? No, you just want that buzz, man. You want to forget what you're feeling like. You want to feel a little different. Yeah. That's what they used to say about cocaine, too. They said, it, it magnifies your personality. Well, here's the bad news, folks. What if you're an asshole? You just magnified your asshole. You're the biggest fucking asshole in town. Oh, I ran that one for a long time. Yeah, buddy. I had a real successful cocaine career. 30 years of it and didn't die. That is fucking amazing. But I left uh, Texas, and my friend had thrown a hook out there, and I'd gotten down so far that I was ready for a change, and he threw it out there and made it available for me, told me I could come to Georgia and live with him, and he'd try to help me. Not only would he try to help me get clean and sober, he'd try to help me get my body back in shape. I ballooned up to over 300 pounds, 309 pounds, I think it was. Man, fat fuck. <laughs> wow. Pretty miserable, man. You know, they should outlaw stretch pants. Some bitches. I swore to God somebody traded my pants or shrunk my jeans. None of them fit anymore. But there I was, man, headed to Georgia. Basically, the reason I went was because Dallas had offered to pay my bills while I got sober. Son of a bitch, I'm in for that. I mean, that's one of the big problems when you're uh, going into rehab. I think this is the reason a lot of rehabs fail is, you know, you go into rehab for three or four months, but your bills don't stop. They don't take a time out. Your ex-wife don't take a time out on child support now, does she? Car payment's still there. House payments are still there. Yeah. All that shit's waiting on you. Of course, after three or four months, it's really gotten up there. I mean, you're broke when you go in because you're drunk and a junkie. And you come out, you really broke. Oh, and everybody in damn town. And boy, do they know when you get home. God. Damn, they fucking circle you like hawks and buzzards, man. And they pick your bones clean, man. And they keep tapping on that door, driving you fucking insane. The phone never stops. People wanting their money. Can't blame them. So what happens to you? You finally just take it so long that you can't take it no more. And goddamn, you just want the noise to quit. You want them to quit bothering you. They won't. Ex-wife's driving you fucking crazy, threatening to have you thrown in jail. And boy, did she. Oh, yeah. I had a little jail time. Yeah. Man, oh, man. So what do you finally do? You finally look for some relief, don't you? 
Yeah, you pick up again. Drink, drugs, whatever, just to make the noise quit, to make it all stop. You know, I guess the hardest thing was trying to stop that. You know, it's a vicious circle once you roll in, man. Uh, you know, each day you'd wake up and you'd say, okay, I'm not going to use today. A couple hours later, the phone's ringing off the hook, driving your ass crazy. Somebody's beating on the door, wanting their damn money. Cops are circling. <laughs> yeah. The only people that come around that you really want to see is your drug dealer. Thanks. That's not going to help. But that's what you do. It gets pretty fucking sick, man. I can tell you there were times that I wished I wouldn't breathe. I was begging to die. Begging to die. What kind of fucking loser does that? One that's disgusted with himself, man. How do you go from being a successful athlete a great performer, one of the best, they said. Well, they still say that. Greatest psychology in the wrestling world. Best interviews ever. Yeah, I guess my interviews were pretty good. I had a lot to play with. Boy, sometimes that old booze and alcohol make you think some weird shit. I know I used to write stuff down on the bar, man, Next day, I'd wake up and I'd look at my notes and go, what the fuck am I talking about? Holy shit. If anybody sees this, they will lock my ass up, and goddamn, I hope they do it soon. Because if I do any of this shit that I've written down, goddamn, woo, look out. Getting sober's not easy. I mean, <laughs> face it, folks, you don't do something for 40 fucking years every day, and then one day decide, ain't doing that no more. And expect smooth sailing. Hell no. I was gifted by God for one thing, and that's I didn't go through the heebie-jeebies for the cocaine so much as I did the alcohol. Goddamn booze, man. I guess it's because it was so easily accessible. And you weren't really, you know, the way you justify that, well, I'm not really breaking any laws. I mean, it's legal to drink. Yeah. So if I can just quit cocaine, that ain't the way it works for us, though. See, once your wiring's fucked up, one thing leads to another. <laughs> yeah, goddamn right it does. Well, you have a few drinks and you think, you know what? Fuck it, man. I might as well fucking have some coke, man. Fuck, I'm, I'm too drunk to drive now. I better get some coke so I can drive. Now, that's brilliant thinking. But that's where you get. Sell everything you had, give it away. You're not really selling anything, man. You're just trading it for dope. Been there, done that, guys. And trust me, you do not want to do it. You know, my my big thought about going to Dallas's place, man, it was if I got lucky enough and I did get sober, and we do film this shit, maybe, just maybe, I can keep somebody else from falling into that. You know, I used to think that, well, one thing's for sure, none of my kids will ever do drugs or drink. Guess what, folks? It's built in. 
You've got alcoholic tendencies, man. you got these little flags that fly up. Yeah, that's one thing. You can pass it down. But most of them are fairly successful. Very proud of my children, man. Very angry at God at times because one of my children has been given a horrible disease. MS. Fucking brutal, man. Fucking brutal. Give it to my little girl, my oldest daughter, Brandy. God almighty, I love that child. And I feel like I let her down. I feel like it's my fault. Just bad cards, I guess. Genetics, I don't know. Nobody else in the family had it. She got a double dose of it, though. <laughs> Triple dose, actually, because her husband had it, too. No, you don't give it to each other. Those are some of the things I was fighting, man. You know, I moved into Dallas's man, and goddamn, I was tried, 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 and boom, I'd bust my ass. Well, in the beginning, I'd make it for, I don't know, a month, and then I'd fuck up. Then I'd go three months before I'd fuck up. But I was still fucking up. Not on drugs, but, man, I have to have a drink. Hell, I'll just have two or three. Bullshit. <laughs> You never drink just two or three. No, an alcoholic drinks till he can't drink no more. Got to run up the ladder, jump off on your fucking head after you ring the bell that says you're out of here. <laughs> yeah. In Dallas, he would punish me by uh, giving me extra things to do, extra work to do um, as far as reading or going to more meetings. The A meetings are, boy, those are something else. Hope you never had the need to go to one, but if you do go to them, I will tell you this. The best ones are the ones that have a lot of bikers in there, for me, because they could see through my bullshit, and they weren't intimidated, intimidated by me, so they'd call me on my bullshit. Shut the fuck up, Jake. Get in the car. You're a fucking drunk and a junkie. And that's what I do, man. I'd fall in place, start listening a little more intently. You can learn a lot in those meetings if you want to, or you can skate through. And for years before, I'd skated through them, never, never intent on getting clean, just wanted to do what I had to to, to make the ex-wife happy or make Mr. McMahon happy. And I, yeah, there were people who tried to save my dumb ass. He just didn't know how to do it. That's one thing, man. If you're going to get help, man, you need to find it from another drunk or a junkie. That's the one place Dallas fell on. Failed me on him. You know, he wasn't a recovering addict or an alcoholic. He had dodged those bullets. He'd had some real close calls, mind you. But he had dodged those bullets. But Dallas, you know, being Dallas, he investigated every goddamn thing, called people that he knew that had had the problem. And boy, he knows a lot of goddamn people. And he'd get their suggestions. And of course, I was the damn mouse that had to get everything tried in the fucking book on how to get clean. Holy shit, some of the fucking shit they come up with was crazy. But goddamn, it worked. Holy shit. No, I think what worked was I was ready. I just didn't want it. I, I remember when I would fail, it would just 
God damn, nearly break my fucking heart, man. I'd just be so distraught, so upset with myself. For four or five days, I'd be in such a horrible funk. And Dallas would be yelling at me, God damn it, forgive yourself. Forget it. Move on. Get up. Fight. Fight. Man, it's hard. Hardest thing I ever had to do, man. No doubt. No fucking doubt, man. I guess that's why when I got sick at Dallas's with uh, the big C, cancer. <laughs> Fuck, man. If you can beat alcoholism and drug addiction, cancer ain't got a fucking chance. Scared the dog shit out of me, though. I'll tell you that for fucking sure, man. Yeah, growth come up on the back of my thigh and... I remember going to the doc. said, Doc, what's this? He goes, oh, hmm, you know, you need to have that looked at. Well, he didn't seem to put any urgency to it, so hell, I didn't, you know, you just need to have it looked at. Okay, well, I thought I just got it looked at by you, motherfucker. Went back in to see him five months later with, uh, oh, I had a cold or something. I said, Doc, this thing on my leg's getting bigger. And he looked at me and shocked. I could see he was shocked and amazed that, he said, well, that's cancer. I told you to go have it looked at. I said, God damn, you didn't fucking talk like that, though. You didn't say it's fucking cancer. Get your ass in there and have it looked at. You said, you need to have that looked at, you fucking asshole. By then, it had grown bigger than a golf ball on the outside. On the inside, it was about the size of a hardball, man. And, um, grow it fast. I remember... Uh, Getting that word, man, cancer. Fuck, that's a scary goddamn word. Scary as fuck, man. And then you go to these cancer clinics, man, where, you know, you're looking around that room, and you're like, my God, this is fucking walking dead here. And that's real fear there, folks. I mean, just real goddamn fear, man. And uh, <sighs> you see people going in there with no fucking hair or wearing fucking hats or turbans or whatever the fuck just cover up their bald head. You see the look in their eyes, man. Like I said, walking dead. Wondering how many of them are going to be there next year. That must be a horrible thing. I mean, you're a doctor in that shit. I mean, God, that'd drive me crazy, man. Not that I'm not crazy already because I am fucking crazy, but just to prove it, I beat cancer. Still clean off that shit. Still have to have be tested there occasionally. And yeah, there were some spots they found on my brain. I was just happy they found a fucking brain. But there's a couple of dark spots in my brain, but they, I'm not sure what that is. And as long as they don't start growing, they're going to leave them the fuck alone. And I do appreciate that. I don't really want nobody drilling into my fucking head. Don't tell them what the hell would fall out. Probably like a million little Peters would fall out or something, because I'm a dickhead at times. <laughs> yeah. Had to have shoulder surgery while I was at Dallas's. That was interesting. Been working out with him, doing the DDP yoga, which I'll tell you right now, it works, it works, it works, and I'll leave it at that. I'm going to blow that shit up again. I'm blowing it up enough. God damn, it's a good thing for everybody. I'll tell you that. And you'll get out of it what you put in it. Know that. But um, 
Dallas came to me. He said, dude, he said, shoulder's that bad. I said, man, I can't fucking move it, man. It's fucking killing me. And Dallas being Dallas, wouldn't you know his shoulder hurt too? Yeah, if I had it, he wanted it. So we both went to see this specialist, and the specialist said, well, you know, I'm going to give you both both a shot of uh, cortisone, you know, which is not a fix-it. It's a delay, the inevitable. But we'll try it first, maybe get lucky. I remember that doctor pulling that needle out about six inches long. And I never heard Dallas cuss like that, big pussy. He don't like pain, bro. Me, it just pisses me off. You know, I kind of like it. Like, motherfucker, go ahead, hurt me, bitch. You can't hurt me. Yeah. But my problem was, they did it. I mean, within two weeks, man, I was just as bad as I was before. So, yeah, we're going to have to do something. So they did the MRI, and they found that I had three bone spurs in my shoulder, about two inches long. Doctor said biggest bone spurs he'd ever seen. Damn, do I get a title for that? Maybe a medal? Maybe when you cut them out, Doc, you can make one into an Italian love horn for me. I'll hang that motherfucker around my neck. That'd be different. But there was a problem. Couldn't have the surgery. You don't have insurance, man. No, drunks and junkies can't get insurance. Shit, no, they spent their money on dope. Fuck you. Yeah. What are you going to do, Jake? Of course, my old alcoholic mind said, yeah, here we go again. I get fucked. Poor me. Son of a bitch. I'm trying to get clean and sober. And oh boy, now I don't have insurance, so I can't work out no more. I might as well get fucking drunk and high. Wow. Is that your answer for everything? Pretty much. Pretty much. At the time. Dallas came to me and he's like, well, dude, we can do this thing called uh, GoFundMe or some bullshit. I can't remember what exactly it was. He called it. I'm like, Dallas, have you lost your fucking mind? Who in the fuck is going to give me eight or $9,000 to have fucking shoulder surgery? Come on, Dallas. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? He convinced me to go ahead and try it. I said, well, I'm going to fucking try it, but I'm just telling you right now, it's bullshit. It ain't happening. So what are we going to find out? What's going to happen then? So I can't fucking do it, and you're going to fucking throw me out in the street? That's what the fuck, man. I'm trying, you know. Poor me, poor me. No, you try, man. If it don't work, I'll foot the bill. You can pay me back someday. God damn you, Dallas. Why do you have to agree to do that? I was just getting ready to go out and get fucked up and drunk. I had a reason to. <laughs> There's a reason for everything, man. But drunks and alcoholics, we twist everything around where it fits our needs. And wouldn't you know it, in less than 24 hours, we raised enough money to get that surgery. I don't know if I was the happiest or the angriest over that because it just fucking shot my go-get-drunk-high fucking thing right out the fucking window, didn't it? I guess I was a little disappointed if I'm being brutally honest, and I'm trying to. I really am. Less than 24 hours, man, they raised uh, like 11000 I only needed eight. Hell, the next day I had 19000 in there. Son of a bitch. 
Well, good thing I got that extra money because uh, that surgery didn't cost eight. It wound up costing about 13, 14. Rehabbing was a couple more grand, but I was hoping there's going to be enough extra money for me to get a set of tits put on my back. I've always wanted a set of tits since my wife and I divorced. I mean, hell, I bought her some. Why can't I buy me some? You know, they look good back there, too. Think about it. Yeah. A snake with tits on his back. That's fucking awesome. That would give me something to talk about. <laughs> There's something for you to look at and squeeze. I know, I know. Man. Retiring from wrestling was a hard, hard, hard thing for me to do. Of course, I'd pretty much butchered anything that was left of what I had in the past. No doubt I was not the entertainer I'd been years before because uh, being overweight, uh, being wrecked from the alcohol and the drugs, uh, it'll take you off your game. Trust me. <laughs> but the only thing you still do is talk shit. Sometimes you jumble that up, too. You've probably noticed that, though. Yeah, retiring was tough, man, getting out of the ring forever. Because that had to make me look at what I'd done to that career, man. I would just fucking throw it out the window. I'm not crying for me over this because, hell, I had a great career. Hell, most people would die for the career I had. I know that I could have been so much more. So much fucking more. Ah, but that's the cost of having a good time. Just wanting to feel good. Yeah, ain't that some shit? That's the lie alcohol and drugs tell you, though, isn't it? <laughs> Not to mention the dental problems you'll have doing drugs, alcohol, and Fucking teeth wind up falling out of your head. Of course, wrestling didn't help those teeth at all because most of them were shattered from taking shots. Whether it was a knee or a fist or just being dropped in your fucking face, man. Fucking teeth will fall apart, man. But uh, I sped that process up by doing the cocaine because we all know how bad that shit is for your gums and your teeth. And Man, oh man, did I have fun getting that shit taken care of. So you see, the cost of the drug just keeps taking and taking and taking and taking and taking from you. Another reason not to do it, man. Really, another reason not to do it. Some real tough times I went through and survived. I tell you, the toughest thing that I went through, though, bar none, I think you'll understand that, when I lost my mother. God, do money. Don't even really want to revisit that. Because it's still too fresh, and it's been a couple of years already, and I still catch myself picking up the phone and dialing her number. Dialing her number. Ain't that something? Dialing your number. You said, when's the last time you dialed a fucking phone, you junkie? Yeah, mama's gone, man. But at least I'd gotten sober, man. Gotten clean. And I've been rewarded for it. And I'm taking a break, guys, so you take a break, too. Maybe you get a piss call like I got a piss call. 
But just remember, it'll probably take me longer to piss because it takes so much more time for me to let it get to the end of the hose. I'll be right back for a more Unleashed. Thanks for listening to Jake the Snake Unleashed. We want to help you fight back against addiction. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please visit us at jakethesnakeroberts.com. Your support helped Jake get his life back on track. Now let us return the favor. Hey, thanks for coming back, man. Uh, you know, where I just took you through was uh, been some pretty rough times over the last five years, but here's the good news. Yeah, it's time. Also, in the last five years, I've been able to get my feet up under me and take care of my obligations. The greatest thing that I've had happen to me no, not the Hall of Fame, although that was a pretty damn big moment. Oh, my God. Thank you, Vince McMahon. Thank you, WWE, for allowing me back in, even though I acted a complete asshole for many years because I wanted to deal out some of that hate and anger of my own failures. I had to blame somebody. Can't blame myself. That's what we do. Thanks for letting me into the Hall of Fame, man. I worked hard for it and entertained people for a long time, but... Now I'm doing much better things. I really am. Because I'm going around doing, well, not comedy. You know, Mick Foley, he's a comedian, not me. I'm, I just tell road stories, some of the insanity that all the guys put on each other and some of it that I created myself and didn't need no damned help. But I tell these stories so you can have a laugh and maybe you can pick up some pointers on what you don't want to become. But most of all, just enjoy it. And while at these shows, I uh, encourage people to seek me after the show. And uh, if they're struggling with alcohol or drugs, I'll be glad to sit down, find a quiet place, and uh, see if I can't get them turned and pointed in the right direction. There have been a lot of people seek me out on the Internet, and I've tried to help there, too. The movie has certainly helped. I've been told by all, thousands of people that... Uh, it's helped them in different ways, whether understanding their own problem or uh, at least enlightening those that are having to deal with it because of their significant others or their parents or whatever. So those are good things, man. Doing this podcast, hell, that would have never happened five or six years ago. Nope. And... The most fun I think I'm having right now is just enjoying my children, man. You see, I, I'm going to tell you a little story. I, you know, I've got eight kids, man, but uh, there had been three of them that I had not had any dealings with in some 14, 15 years because their mother thought it was a better idea that I not be around them at all. Right or wrong, that's just the facts. Um, it's horrible times for me, and I'm sure... And left the scars on my kids, too. But one of those children has seeked me out, and uh, she even came to Vegas and moved in with us. Uh, Cody and I, uh, with open arms, man, we welcomed her into her home, even though she brought this son of a bitch of a husband with her. No, he's actually a great guy. 
he's doing the work uh, here behind the mic. You know, he um, he has to. He's the one that really suffers. He has to go through this shit and pick it apart and put it back together and make it, uh, you know, listening worthy. I guess you know. But uh, no, and I'm so fortunate to get a second chance with these kids and. Uh, I'm trying to make the best of it. My grandchildren, they're so fucking awesome, man. And they're my heroes, man, because they, they, they fight many obstacles that uh, just blow me away, man. Uh, the illnesses and uh, the afflictions they uh, came into this world with, um, something they fight every day. And each day they seem to break another barrier, break, break another level that they supposedly would never reach whether it be walking or talking or hell, everything, man. They, they just keep kicking the doors down and, and doing amazing things. It's such a blessing. But that cause uh, they got parents that uh, really bust their asses and uh, go the extra miles, not the mile, but miles to do the right thing and to get them the best care and to uh, seek out better ways to do things, you know, and uh, it's just amazing to watch or to hear about. It really is. Uh, another thing that I'm doing now is um, I've opened up the snake pit. You know, you can bitch and moan about what you see on TV, or you can create some new talent that might help raise the bar, and that's my hope. Then I can teach some new kids some new ways, some forgotten ways, teach them my way of doing things so they might carry it on. Boy, that's going to be fun to see. Boy, that'll be fun to see. You know, over the years, I've helped many wrestlers in the ring. You know, that's, that's what you do if you're a real wrestler. You know, it's your um, obligation to teach others and give the knowledge that you have to other people. And that's what we're doing at the Snake Pit. You know, we'll take you no matter where you're at in your career, a beginner or somebody that's been busting their butt for a few years and just haven't finally haven't finally gotten it to where they need it to be or, or made it um, tasty enough that uh, somebody else wants to give you a job, whether it be WWE or TNA or whoever. Um, but that's the thing, is bringing people in it, and no matter what level they're at and trying to fine-tune them, to get the rough edges off, to show them the, the inner stuff that, that you just don't get from most schools. I mean, most schools, my problem with them is, <clears throat> who the hell's teaching? Not Jake the Snake. Well, except for Las Vegas, by God, and that some bitch is doing it there. Yeah. And here's the fun thing that we're doing, man. Uh, this requires no uh, physical prowess. It doesn't uh, require you to know anything about wrestling other than the fact that you like it. And it's a fantasy slam, man. And uh, you come out, and for a couple of days, you're going to be in the ring with D'Lo Brown and with uh, Sin Bodhi. And they're going to teach you two or three moves and how to lock up and how to do it, start to do an interview how to walk to the ring, how to get in the ring, and how to grab a couple of holes. And that third day, you're going to be put in the ring with somebody that you've chosen, whether it be Jake the Snake or Ricky Steamboat or even the animal, uh, Road Warrior. 
or Gangrel or whoever, Chavo Guerrero. There's a thousand guys out there that uh, I know we, I, there's still several guys out there I'd like to work with, but a fantasy camp, a fantasy slam gives you that opportunity to be in the ring with that star and to grab a couple of holes and to have a couple of moves put on you and hell, at the end of it, you might even get a snake thrown on your dumb ass, depending on what you want. Now, of course, everything's going to have a price, but we're trying to make it fan, fan viable. The fans can afford this, you know. Uh, uh, it basically probably costs you what a good ringside seat at WrestleMania would cost you to come out and do this, but what the hell, man? At the end of it, we're going to give you a tape uh, tape, one of those little gimmick thing, thumb drives, or whatever they call that shit. I don't know what the hell that shit is, but anyway, one of them doodads that you can stick on your computer and you can play it. And here you are, cutting your interview, coming to the ring, and wrestling Jake the Snake or Ricky Steamboat, whoever, and maybe getting your ass whipped, or maybe not. Who knows? All things are possible at Fantasy Slam. You pick it, we do it. We're going to expand Fantasy Slam not to be just about wrestling. If you just want to come out and hang out with Jake the Snake for a couple of days, man, we can do that too. Yeah. If you want to pick his brain about wrestling and interviews, we can do that too. If you want to pick his brain about how to get sober and clean, we can damn sure do that. Hell, I'll give you half price on that one, man. Because I want to see you happy. I want to see your family happy. Yeah. Damn sure. Hell, if you want to go fishing, I'll go fishing with your dumb ass. I know I can out fish you. Hell, I'll play golf too. I don't care. I'll even show you the secrets of barbecuing. Yeah. Smoking meat. I can do that too. Yeah, I quit smoking dope. Now I just smoke meat. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, guys, that's what I'm doing now. I got a book that's not too far from getting done. Thinking about reading some of the chapters right here. Yeah, on Unleashed. Would that be awesome? Is that something you'd like to hear? Have my book read to you? That's pretty cool. Jake the Snake's bedtime stories. I may do that too. What the hell? I'll crawl in there with you. Saddle up. Giddy up and go. Well, guys, that's about all I have for you right now. I will be back next week. Be sure and think about our sponsors as they're paying for this. <laughs> Um, just know that I, I do think about you guys out there. I wouldn't be doing this, and I damn sure wouldn't be getting as serious as I just did. I uh, just, you know, twist you up and fly you down the road, take a nickel from you. Wait a minute, I'm not charging for this stupid son of a bitch. I still do dumb things. Oh, well, we'll do it for a while, and then, you know, all things must come to an end. And this one has came to an end, my friend. So until next week, unleashed, putting it down. Got to go catch an airplane, go see somebody. I'm going to go see the Toledo fucking Mud Ends. Play some baseball throughout the first pitch and try like hell to stay away from the landing strip in Detroit. Whew, I used to love that place. <laughs>
I don't really want nobody drilling into my fucking head. No telling what the hell would fall out. Probably like a million little Peters would fall out or something, because I'm a dickhead at times. <laughs>